I'm just going to say a bunch of funny stuff. (laughs) That's how I like to do it. (laughs) This is Comedy Zone Brad Wenzel, and I have a new stand-up special called Joke, Joke, Joke. Check it out. Dave Thomas named Wendy's after his daughter Wendy, which is super crazy when you think about it, because his oldest son was named Burger Shack Thomas. (laughs) I think... I think a UFC fight would look more organic if the referee was a drunk woman who kept yelling, you guys. (laughs) I don't like the evil clown from the It movie, but I bet nobody hates Pennywise more than a regular clown trapped in a storm drain. (laughs) He's like, I know this looks bad. But please help me. (laughs) The special's on YouTube. The album, wherever you get comedy albums, you can buy the vinyl if you want. It spins. Bradcomedy.com for links. Or at Brad Wenzel on Instagram. I don't have segues for any of these. (laughs) It's the Field Trip Podcast with Brad. This is the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune. This episode, we're, we've gotten into character. We're, we're being very method for this episode because we're talking about method actors with my special guest, uh, Garrett Elzinga. Garrett, how you doing, man? Good. I'm just happy I'm a special guest. Special. You're better than the rest. That's not true. <laughs> I've seen people you've had on. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, you're my favorite this episode. I'll tell you that much. That's that's a lot of competition. I'm looking at the figurines <laughs> behind you and I'm like, ooh, yeah, look at all those Michaels. All those uh those horror figures. But uh <laughs> Garrett, you've been on the show before. Uh most mm-hmm. notably, you've you've been on the best sequels episode. You've been on the the crazy things directors have done. It's mm-hmm. I don't remember the title of that one. That's fairly recent. But uh, when you've been on the show, we've talked a bunch about movies. We even did the Halloween franchise, as in Michael Myers. Uh, yep. We tend to talk a lot about movies. And I said, you know what? I want to talk about method actors and because they're known for being a very normal bunch, Garrett. <laughs> oh, God. They're so insane. Yeah. Uh, so are you familiar? Do you have a, a, a performance that stands out method acting wise? Cause I got, I got, we have plenty to talk about, but I want to, I want to get to know you. And as far as uh, anything that you've enjoyed method acting wise, are have you done any acting by the way? I have a little bit, not, mm-hmm. I mean, I was in a play in uh, seventh grade. Um, my big line, it, it was the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Okay. So my my character, uh, the innkeeper, he lost his child. Uh, So I just ad libbed Fritz. And uh, (laughs) yeah, that's really good. Man, where's this? Give this man an award. Fritz over here. (laughs) I'll take a Tony. Do you have Um, is there a performance that stands out to you method acting wise? 
Because we'll probably talk about it. God, no. It's it like actors come to mind, but um, I don't know. Like, you know, and anything that Leonardo DiCaprio does trying to get an Oscar. Uh, I don't know if he's like method technically, though. Method is like such a specific term, but it's and that, it just gets applied to everybody. In my research, it's then there, like you you research it, and then some then people be like, oh, those method actors, that's not actually method. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll we'll just talk about a bunch, but method acting. Uh, here's the Wikipedia thing cuz we can all we all have access to Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Method acting and formerly known as the method is a range of training and rehearsal techniques as formulated by the a number of theater uh practitioners. So we're going to talk about these people. But it's it's their their techniques in which people will essentially become a character and then we'll see uh on set they stay the character mm -hmm. and it, it's like and we'll see that like acting versus method acting those are two different things yes yep which is it's so funny to me because i just act i i don't understand why you have to like become like if you play a rapist you don't have to be a rapist that's, just, and that's yeah just act when, when somebody's a killer they're not killing but that we, do that we know of you, we hope man what a <laughs> that'd be a i'm sure it's a movie or script already of the method actor that got that went too far yeah that actually would be a good idea that'd be a it's good our horror, idea. horror franchise let's write it the, yeah the guy and then he has a split personality so of course doesn't remember that wasn't yes. me that was abraham lincoln vampire Hunter. <laughs> i love it uh, so this the method acting, uh, the, it's kind of starts with one person and then trickles down to a few more people. And this is all stuff that I did research for. And uh, we're going through this quickly. And I'm probably not the most accurate because I'm a dude with the, the same Internet as you. Um, <laughs> but I did over the pandemic, I did take some acting classes online via Zoom the way we're recording right now. Wow. With, yeah. With a lady in L.A. and there were. You know, there were different sessions of the class and we did uh, maybe there were nine people in the class. It depends on the different sessions, but she did recommend some of these performances, but we didn't really talk about method. The, I was a, we were intro actors and there were mm -hmm. people from all over the world that would we would come in and do acting classes. And of course, it's not like in person, but at the time. It was like, this is what we have. And I had never really done anything like this before acting with real actors. I could pull up some IMDB pages of people that I was in the class with and I was very intimidated. <laughs> and, but I don't know how you feel, but I feel like when you're uncomfortable and nervous about something, you should go towards that because that is where growth occurs. That's my For belief. I would agree with that. I would agree. It's also, it's this weird thing of like towing the line between letting go because you, you, to me, it's like, you feel so self-conscious, especially mm -hmm. like for me with comedy, a new joke, you feel so self-conscious. I say the F word a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, if, if it's new and it's a crutch, I, it is, it, it's you a don't crutch. know if it's going to hit, you know, yep. <laughs> like, you're like, am I going to make my teacher cry with this soliloquy or what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. And uh, not that I'm any I don't fancy myself an actor, but it's made me better at stand up, I think. That's and the good. Short, yeah. The short amount of time that I I did it for a year or two. And it's also dude, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. So 
Mm. Uh, there are acting opportunities, but this lady, you can look at her client list and be like, well, this guy's a big star. And, you know, so wow. it, was, it was one of those where I was like, oh, cool. This is a great opportunity for me to learn with somebody. Um, but that's fun. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I'm, I've uh, I was very yeah. method. No, I wasn't method. That's <laughs> not, it's not at all. Uh, do, you, do you have a little like diploma or a placard that they sent you in the mail or is it just an I email? graduated? No, it's mm-hmm. it's one of those where I took the class five or six times and they've sent out stuff of uh, here. We're doing another class and it just hasn't lined up with my, you know, usually I'm Schedule. on the road. Uh, but it's well, as we'll learn, one of these guys, he, he says uh, repetition is one of the things you should do. And that's definitely, and then you find out like, oh, when James Gandolfini was, uh, I, I is like, was Tony Soprano, which I don't, he's not a method actor as far as I know, but you're like, oh, he was with an acting teacher the whole show. <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. well, that guy was always working on stuff. So yeah. I should be working on, if I want to be James Gandolfini, you know, <laughs> they never stop working. That's true. That's just like teachers. Yeah, teachers they, are always learning new ways to teach. Yeah, if you just stop, then you become, you know, uh, me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but let's 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 talk about uh, method acting. It starts with a guy named uh, Konstantin Stanislavski from uh, from Russia, uh, Moscow uh, Art Theater, and then they they brought the theater over there in uh, New York City in 1923, where it was seen by a guy named Lee Strasberg. He kind of picked up the technique. And that's where we get something called the method. Mm-hmm. And it goes from Stanislavski to Strasbourg and then two other people who are kind of, then there's like different schools of thought in within method acting. And we, we see uh, from uh, Strasbourg, then it becomes like not just Broadway acting or on stage acting. Then we get uh, more, film acting and Marlon Brando, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, him and his class of actors kind of brought it to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and one fact I found interesting that over three quarters of Academy Awards for best actor have gone to method actors in the past decade. Well, who's doing the method now? I'm I'm thinking like I'm, I know there's Daniel Day Lewis mm-hmm. and there's like Leonardo DiCaprio to, to me, that would be like the the one most recent as far as like uh, what was the Revenant? The Revenant. Yeah. Like I I didn't that's he's not on this list that we're going to talk about, but it's like the guy like was in frozen water and crawling yeah. and eating raw fish and stuff. So <laughs> he ate. Uh, yeah, he's a vegetarian and he ate uh, raw meat to be to to win an oscar and i'm like well that's called commitment to craft i don't even think like even meat eaters would be like don't do that yep (laughs) (laughs) doctors on set Uh -uh. yeah (laughs) so uh what what stanislavski said it was uh active memory and the method of constantine uh stanislavski the way we're gonna have a lot of stuff with active memory that's the phrase. The Russian actor and director Stanislavski summarizes acting technique, including preparation and rehearsal and a system uh, known as the art of experiencing. Actors seek to get into character through consciousness, thought and draw from emotional experience, even uh, subconscious behavior. Emotional recall uh, uses effective memory and sense memory to create the feelings of their character Actors work with memories of a similar situation in effective memory. So you're at a funeral 
in this scene, we probably all unfortunately have been at a funeral. You mm-hmm. draw from being in that fr- that funeral to fuel you in this scene, that type of stuff. That makes a hundred percent sense. That makes yeah. sense. Like, uh, yeah, through this, the structured process of sense memory, uh, they recall sensations around uh, the emotional event. So then we get Lee Strasberg and the method, the method also uh, use effective memory to recall extraordinary events from the past to uh, to use elicited uh, emotions and acting for him on stage. Emotion was actual emotion. The actor was reliving. So it's like. If you're on stage and somebody dies, you should like if you saw somebody die, you should have those same emotions like your heart rate's going to go up. You're going to be in the same state now. And and now I've checked out (laughs) the first (laughs) guy. It's like, yeah, that that makes sense. Draw on those kinds of feelings that you mm -hmm. you can learn to empathize with the thing. Based on things you've experienced, it's like, but if you're a psychopath, then, (laughs) then think of a time someone died. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, feel it, really feel it. And like in that acting class, I would, it would be a three hour class and I would leave uh, somewhat drained Mm. emotionally because it's, it's a, I think anytime you hyper-focus on something that's takes a lot of energy, but then you know, you, she would push you and in, into, into the place to get somewhere emotionally and really work you up. And I would, i felt like the biggest idiot, but sometimes I would leave being like, I'm sad. Like for sure. Cause it's just like, all right, get sad and end of class. And you're like, but yeah, I'm still, but I'm still, yeah. Uh, my dog's still dead. I can't change that. That's so the have, worst therapy like that. That is awful. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It, it, it was just yeah. no release. Just relive <laughs> these terrible events again. In for, your brain. for not an Oscar. Like yeah. you're not winning an award after the class. That's that's funny. I'm in this office I'm in now. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go from Strasbourg. Uh, another a school of thought was Stella Adler. Her technique is founded on actors' ability to imagine a character's world. Adler believed that uh, over-reliance on personal emotional memories limited actors' range. Yep. Uh, Her technique encourages actors to expand their understanding of the world in order to create compelling performances. Um, So this is more, this is a lot more, my understanding is the world around you. So later we'll talk about uh, uh, Marlon Brando stayed in a hospital bed for a long time. Like, God, idiot. Well, that that kind of stuff. Uh, See, and, oh God, Marlon Brando. We'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. And then we have <laughs> a th- the third guy, Sanford Miser. He said, "Living truthfully under imaginary circumstances." That's what my acting teacher always stressed. Living, what? How would this character react truthfully under these fake circumstances? Okay. Uh, the technique is centered around three tenets: emotional prep, repetition, and improvisation. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said doing emotional prep, doing whatever is necessary to enter a scene, quote, emotionally alive. He instructed actors to use whatever affected them personally to put themselves in their character's emotional state. So not unlike what we've kind of heard already. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Then repetition. Meisner used repetition exercises to develop his students skills of observation and instinct. 
He believed that repetition uh, gets actors out of their heads so they can rely on their organic instincts. So not you're not pretending to be Tony Soprano. You are Tony Soprano. And then the next step would be improvisation, something that wasn't planned. But how does how does Brent Terhune not react? But how does Tony Soprano react? Yeah. So yeah. you get you think for that character as opposed to how does you know James Gandolfini Feeney react? Does that, does that it, make sense? It seems like that's where the whole becoming the character kind of really comes in because everything before this was you know you rely on the emotions, you put mm-hmm. that character in the position of this fake thing, and then you just kind of end up being the character, experiencing all this. Mm-hmm. I can see the trajectory of the method that we're at now yeah and it, that's kind of like what whenever i've written characters like in a script which mm. d- believe me i've not done a ton but it's like how you don't you won't just re you don't say something funny you say something funny that also is that character yep. and then another character says something how they would say it it's really like becoming the character writing from different perspectives Sometimes I would go to coffee shops and kind of listen, like overhear people, uh, mm-hmm. just eavesdrop a little bit to see. Um, and, and it's, you know, you, you'll overhear Christians or whatever talking about Jesus and it'll be two women. And I'm like, man, they're not even passing the Bechtel test. It's <laughs> just two women talking about Jesus. I, I do love when <laughs> it, it, it happens a lot with Jesus, but anybody when they're like, it's what he would want. You get that a lot with dead people. It's he would want me to buy this. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that that guy wants the same thing that you also want. They're just doing the method acting. They're just, <laughs> what would he want? Yes. Uh, now, let's uh, this is the, the was the meat of what I wanted to talk about. The people that are doing this stuff. And first is Marlon yes. Brando. Um, closely associated with method acting uh, as he's one of the key pioneers. He studied, uh, studied under Stella Adler. Uh, so during his Broadway debut in 1946, he played a psychopathic murder in a play called Truckline Cafe. And for his cinematic climax, uh, he needed to appear as if he was just emerged from an icy lake. Uh, so every night he would, uh, run up the stairs back and forth, run up the stairs to get out of breath. And then just before he went on. He had a stage hand dump a bucket of icy water on his head and then he would run out. How do you, I mean, how do you concentrate on anything else? Like he's got lines to say, right? But I think, I think the (laughs) belief is know the lines become the lines, but then also experience that at the same time. But as a guy who doesn't act that much, I'm in the boat that you're in Garrett, where you're like, I got to remember these words. I can't be running and stuff, but. You know, he, you can't, there's not a pond off stage left. You got to recreate it, but I guess become that character, be breathless. I got that down uh, and then get some ice water. That be kind wet. of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's um, so, it's so frustrating. <laughs> now this is the performance that uh, my acting teacher said to watch. And surprisingly, I ha- I haven't seen it yet, which is great. <laughs> for people that want to act and stuff, but it was uh, his role as uh, Stanley Kowalski in a streetcar, streetcar named, named Desire. Desire. Mm-hmm. He really stressed because we one of the techniques we did was uh, animal techniques. She would she would say, "Show me a little tiny timid puppy," and that's where I would feel so dumb because we're all doing yeah. we all have our eyes closed on Zoom, but she's seeing us, and 
I'm barking and through the wall, my producer wife, I'm sure is hearing me bark like a little puppy, like, and I'm giving this money. I'm giving this lady money to tell me to bark like a puppy. And it, believe it or not, it wasn't sexual, but it's yeah. like that kind of stuff where you're like a little, little teeny tiny puppy. But then she's like this, uh, that the, the animal type type technique was used by Brando in a streetcar named desire. She said, mm. watch how he moves. He's a big gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. That, that checks out. Um, so he also received, uh, awards for, or Oscars for on the waterfront and the Godfather. But, uh, as I mentioned before, he was in the movie, uh, called the men and he played uh soldier Ken, uh, will, will, will sick. I don't know how to say that either way. He was confined. He confined himself to a hospital bed at Birmingham general hospital, the same facility as in the movie to learn about the experiences of a disabled person. Good boy. So it's just, we'll see another actor do something similar, but I'm like, it's just so extra. It's just so like, uh, I don't know. I mean, do some reading or whatever, but like confining yourself to a, it just sounds so corny, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then to also look on the shit that he did later in his career where he was in apocalypse now and he showed up like 60 pounds overweight Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're supposed to be a gaunt, starving. Like, did you read the script? No, I was too busy. What, (laughs) fucking eating? Come on, man. Like, that's not very method of you, bud. You should, you if he wanted to be method still. Yeah, I don't know. And and there are stories of him and his Vito Corleone, like reading off cue cards. Have you heard about that? Like, oh yeah. Where again, but then he won the Oscar for it. So who am I to, I think he, he was a good performance in the movie, but who am I to say what he should do? And we'll also see yeah. that sometimes method people that are method actors don't always stay method uh, and sometimes abandon the technique, which we'll talk about. Well, have you heard the last tango in Paris stuff? Oh yeah. The, which we did. I purposely didn't talk about on this crazy stuff directors did because it's a little rapey. Right. Oh, is that yeah. What you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It for sure is. Uh, it was the director and, and Brando um, and Brando that kind of like plotted this idea to like uh, basically assault the actress. And they mm-hmm. just kept the cameras rolling. And it's really uncomfortable to get a, a genuine reaction, which she yeah, she's an which, involuntary method actor. That's ex- not. And that's good. my fucking problem with it, because it's assault. It's mm-hmm. like. She wasn't in on the thing. Yeah. Involuntary method acting. Yeah. That's not good. (laughs) Well, I mean, Friedkin would do that on the set of The Exorcist. I think that's what we talked about. Like firing guns off. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot a gun (laughs) in somebody's ear. He's like, all right, action. I just wanted that reaction. It's like, motherfucker, we will act. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've heard a gun. I don't need to hear it now. (laughs) Hey there, field trippers. Pardon the interruption, but it's me, Brent the guy you're already listening to with what Ralphie from a Christmas story would call a crummy commercial. As always, you can support the show and everything I do at patreon.com slash Brent comedy. And it's just five bucks a month, early access to episodes, exclusive podcasts and videos. You can help me pick topics for the field trip. And it's just an overall way to support what I do. If you're so inclined Right now on Patreon, there's the Elon Musk episode, the history of the KKK, the worst dates, 
a new Confessions episode with viral sensations Leah and Andrew Rudick, and our yearly exploration of the objects that got stuck in people, uh, as in their bodies, 2022 edition. Those are accounts from the ERs all across the country. Uh, all that at patreon.com slash Brent Comedy. Now back to the show. Ugh. Well, this is uh, this was later in my notes, but I'm uh, like I this story that I'm going to read about Dustin Hoffman is the perfect example uh, example of method acting versus not method acting. Okay. <laughs> so Dustin Hoffman has long uh, long been known as one of the method acting's uh, most earnest uh, exponents. A showbiz story involves his collaboration with a Laurence Olivier in the '76 film Marathon Man. Upon being asked by his co-star how the previous scene had gone, one in which Hoffman's character had supposedly stayed up for three days. The character supposed to stay up for three days. Mm -hmm. Dustin Hoffman then said uh, that he he too had not slept for 72 hours to achieve emotional uh, uh, the mo the emotional feelings. And uh, Lawrence Olivier said, my dear boy. Why don't you just try acting? <laughs> now, yep. H H Hoffman later said, oh, it was a joke. I was actually out partying or whatever. That's the, either way. If that story is true or not, a Lawrence of Olivier is saying, why don't you just act? You mm -hmm. don't have to be attacked by a real bear. Uh, and and, that, and uh, coming like, from Lawrence Olivier, who is arguably one of the greatest actors of all time. So, so and there that, you that's go. The, the debate of that, the, the whole podcast is well, you could method act and do it for real, or you could just play pretend, mm -hmm. which I'm dumbing down the, the art of acting by saying playing pretend. But <laughs> when we watch something, we know that he's not a real mob boss. Yes. We know that it's not a stormtrooper, you know? Yep. Like, and that's, but, uh, but again, you look at all the people that have won those awards. Most, a lot of the people in the last 10 years won the best actor. So it's, it's getting results, you know, but also Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's one of the greatest actors that's living today. He didn't, you know, join the black Panthers <laughs> to play yeah. in yeah. Judas and the black Messiah. I mean, yeah, he, he, he really wasn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't date a crazy white girl to, I mean, he, he may have been his get past out. and yes. just yeah, yeah. drew from those experiences, but <laughs> yeah. he didn't have to seek it out. Um, let's, let's jump to somebody else. It's well-known for method acting, Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. you, now he was a student of both Stella Adler and Lee Strasberg. And, um, there's a couple examples we'll talk about. One of them is the movie taxi driver. You've seen taxi driver probably, right? Oh yeah. Garrett? Yep. Yeah. I just saw it for the first time in the past couple of years. And it was after seeing the movie Joker. You, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you hear like, Oh, this pulls heavily from taxi driver. And you, we all know, are you talking to me? You mm -hmm. must be talking to me. Like we know we've seen some of the movie without actually seeing it. You yeah, know, it's that quotable. It's one of those movies. Now, if you're not familiar, I pulled uh, the description of taxi driver suffering fr from insomnia, disturbed loner, Travis Bickle. That's De Niro's character takes a job as a New York city cabbie haunting the streets, nightly growing increasingly detached from reality. Uh, he, he tries to get with this girl at a campaign office. He tries to assassinate uh, a presidential candidate and he stops, uh, tries to get a 12 year old prostitute out of prostitution. That's the short version of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. So he's driving to taxi cab. He he 
like De Niro really gets his cab license and he drove for 12 to 15 hours a day. See, now that it's interesting because that actually being a cabbie sounds like something that's so vastly out of the realm of possibility for most people. Yeah. Like I would, I've never thought about becoming one. And I've never been like an Uber driver driving people around. Mm -hmm. And I I, have, I have. Yeah. Now knowing like it's so reachable today Mm -hmm. is like, this is an absurd idea, but like back in the seventies where you don't really talk to cabbies, I mean, that could be, that would be the first step of it where it's just like, just take a bunch of cabs to get a license. First off, he had to go get the license and then, I, I, I don't know Indianapolis that well, and I've lived here my whole life. That was pre-GPS. <laughs> yeah. So it's like driving around as a cabbie for 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day, and shooting at the same time. Again, that's it's it's like what you said. Don't you have lines to learn? But yeah. Yeah. I guess they I guess they just come at a certain point. The lines just come, but in my head as a I, I consider myself a non-actor. I'd be like, I'm just nervous to say my lines, you know? Yeah. I think there's two things. Was he shooting at the same time? Like I think it was the movie at the same time before. And then kind of during as oh, was okay. my understanding that but, uh, oh, I was going to say um, when you like, he was already doing Scorsese movies before that there was at least mean streets. And then I think it was taxi driver. Well, let me let me interject because yes. the, he's he's driving this cab after he won the Oscar for playing Vito Corleone, best supporting oh, and actor Godfather and two. Godfather 2. <laughs> yeah, so, so that leads to my second point where sometimes you just maybe got to up the ante to get your kicks. Maybe it was it was just like, well, I won the Oscar already. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. I'll just drive a taxi because I'm going to be a taxi driver. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be fun. That's a thing. But just now, Marlon Brando running up the steps and getting water <laughs> thrown on him. Come on, you little bitch. Passengers thought that uh, getting uh, parts in the industry were so hard that even after winning an Oscar, he wasn't able to get another job acting. And <laughs> De Niro tr- tried to explain he was just driving a taxi for research. The guy didn't believe him. So <laughs> Sure. Sure. That's funny. Oh, that's my like God. if I was like, no, I do stand up. And they're like, yeah, just take me to wherever I need to go. Uber driver. <laughs> like you're like, OK, all right. But that's like that. I guess it's a fine line between dedication and and crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, he, so he got the license. He lost 30 pounds in weight and engaged in firearm training to lend authenticity to the character, which. But some of that. Like I could, if you're an actor, like I'm probably going to need to use a gun in some movies. That's you could do that. That's Mm -hmm. totally fine. You know, to, to learn how to use a gun. But again, it's not, it's not other things we'll see later, but doesn't he not shoot the presidential candidate? Well, it says to, uh, it was uh, to accentuate the character's violent uh, tendencies. Mm, I I saw the movie once and I need to rewatch it. So I don't remember if he shoots the guy or not. I don't I, remember. I don't think he does. I know there's the big shootout at the end, but um, I, I feel like, see, that that's the thing where I'm just like, but the character didn't get 
like gun training. He didn't, he just got a gun. He didn't take the yeah. training. So you as the quote unquote method actor don't have to take the gun classes. I think maybe didn't the character get out of the military? Is that part of the character? I don't remember. No, may, maybe it could have been that kind of like Vietnami type thing, but I yeah. can't remember. It's been so long. Huh. But either, like, well, let's talk about another one. Well, then why and didn't he go is... to boot camp? Why didn't he go? Why didn't he do <laughs> live the guy's whole life? Stop <laughs> using logic. No. Uh, yeah. Why? Why didn't he do certain things that this, you know, crazy person would have done? Yep. Um, now let's talk about Raging Bull. He won a best actor for this. I've not seen this movie. Yeah, oh. I'm sure you've seen it, right? One of my favorite movies of all time. And it's it's been on the list. And again, like if I just hadn't watched Casino uh, like 14 times, <laughs> I could have just seen this. But, you know, that's with any movie. If I didn't watch certain movies 80 times, I could have seen Raging Raging Bull. Yeah. Um, the story of a middleweight boxer as he rises through the ranks to earn his first shot at the middleweight crown. He falls into uh, love with a gorgeous girl from the Bronx. Uh, he has an inability to express his feelings, enters into the ring, and eventually takes uh, over his life uh, being a fighter. Eventually, he's sent into a downward spiral. Now, uh, De Niro's playing the boxer, Jake LaMotta. Uh, he trained and sparred in the ring with, with the real Jake LaMotta mm -hmm. for over a year. Uh, and the stuff I heard, he did over a thousand rounds of boxing with Jake LaMotta. Wow. And to not have brain damage today is pretty impressive. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all right. It's pretty all right. <laughs> um, he even uh, fought three genuine boxing matches. I, I saw three to five real boxing matches that he won that, that figure three to five. I think he won two of those. Wow. So it's, uh, it's gotta almost be this thing of like proving to yourself that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's yeah. It's probably one of those. Where again, I I don't I don't know in the timeline. I th I think he already won Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> yeah, uh, so too. <laughs> I it's it's one of those where and I there's something I did read of like interviews with with at least De Niro, but I'm sure it happens with a lot of people. It's they become these characters because may, maybe they're they long to not be themselves. Well, that's what Kevin Spacey's excuse was as mm -hmm. to why he became an actor, because his dad was an alcoholic and beat him. And, you know, he was closeted gay and then, you know, tried to molest children. So, you know, I guess I guess he just didn't want to be himself. So, yeah, he wanted yeah, to like, be the character from Glengarry Glen Ross or yeah, the he serial wanted to be Frank from, Underwood. Yeah. Ugh. Um, uh, De Niro. So they, they they're filming. um raging bold and they stopped production for four months during uh this intentional break robert de niro headed to northern italy uh where he learned jake lamata's accent because they filmed a lot of the fighting scenes at the beginning of the production is what i what i heard mm. but then also he went on an eating binge he went from 145 pounds to reported 215 i remember the, this. now the, the figures i saw different but either way he gained 60 to 70 pounds mm -hmm. uh and he he devote he he devoted uh he had he developed breathing problems because from what i understand <laughs> garrett like he in the movie the, and the character later becomes a stand-up comic yeah but he's fat he's out of shape 
like and th- like the stuff that I watched and read was like, man, they, they could have just done prosthetics mm-hmm. it would have been fine. But he's like, nope, let me gain 70 pounds <laughs> to play this guy. True. hundred percent true. Um, now, along with De Niro, his on-screen brother, Joe Pesci, who played Joey LaMotta, uh, they lived together uh, to create that bond. That's that's I get like, hey, we're supposed to be brothers in the movie. Why don't we live together? That makes sense. I get that. Yeah. Uh, The newcomer Pesci had only starred in one low budget movie called The Death Collector. And at the time he was working in a restaurant, Pesci would unintentionally be dragged into Nero's world of method acting when during a sparring scene, De Niro broke one of Pesci's ribs. It was captured for prosperity uh, and they kept it in the movie. So... Yeah, he it's like let me let me break your ribs there, <laughs> Pesci. So <laughs> poor Pesci. <laughs> but, yeah, but that kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, let, we could live together. That's cool, but also I'm gonna gain 70 pounds. That's <laughs> and break a rib for of someone else. <laughs> There's yeah. probably unintentional to do that, but hey, you broke it. Let's use it. Yeah, that's that thing where like if something bad happens on set and they're like, let's keep it in the movie. I think it always depends on the thing. Yeah, we talked about the Twilight Zone movie on the craziest directors where people really died. Yep, they did not keep that. that. You know, (laughs) no, cut that. But the (laughs) cut that, cut that. But the breaking (laughs) of the rib, I'd keep that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and it's probably it was probably Pesci's call, maybe, but I, I would or. Scorsese is probably more so, but mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer. I'm I love wrestling, and sometimes stuff happens that goes really bad in wrestling. But then backstage and here on podcast, they'd be like, "That was great. Can you believe he broke my nose?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, I I think you'd rather not break your nose, but if it happened, let's use it. You know? Yeah, there's some that have died in the ring, and then I don't think anyone's off off screen going, "Well, he would have wanted us to." Uh, well, and, unless it's Vince it. McMahon, which That's is true. true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, let's jump to somebody else. Christian Bale mm. uh, with the movie The Machinist. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Factory worker uh, Trevor Resnick, who that's Christian Bale's character, suffers from insomnia so severe that his condition has taken its toll and is on his weight and mental health. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but uh, he, he lost a lot of weight for this movie. Some would say too much. Uh, yeah, I know this is an audio medium, but just Google Christian Bale, the machinist, because the pictures of him, he lost, he lost, uh, 63 pounds, uh, not at the request of anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And like, he just looks like, you know how, like a greyhound is real skinny, almost seeing ribs. Yes. It was that it's very just it's too skinny uh at six feet tall he weighed 185 pounds which is the average for his height the machinist uh but for the movie he he received virtually no weight loss guidance after meeting with a doctor only once he simply took matters into his own hands and he only ate every day one can of tuna and one apple Mm. Uh, he reached 120 pounds and he wanted to go more but producers and the director and everybody else was like stop (laughs) <laughs> stop doing that we we are yeah i mean it gets to a point where it's a safety issue of like this actor is gonna die yeah 
and we won't have a movie anymore. So yeah, we please quit. Yeah, and some of that stuff too, they they'll use for promotion. Mm-hmm. Like you especially you see it with uh horror movies. Oh, I was on set and it felt like really dark and eerie and I felt like somebody was trying to contact me and whether that's bullshit or not when they say that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's intriguing. Yeah, it'll put asses in the seats for sure. Yeah. So it, and I was watching that like a a behind the scenes of the machinist and like Christian Bale's that they had low budget. So they had to use a real sewer. He's down in the shit and the everything and, and like, wasn't wearing any kind of protective stuff. And I, again, man, you, his you can, immune systems already shit. Yeah. Cause <laughs> he's, he's eating an apple and a can of tuna. 20 pounds. Uh. <laughs> uh, so five months later, uh, and I, Less than five months later, he he bulked up to play uh, Bruce Wayne and as Batman, Batman begins, yeah, gained a, a hundred pounds. How that is so unhealthy? Yeah, so he he ate a high carb diet, returned to a, a regimen of three uh, hour uh, training sessions to gain a uh, hundred pounds. He gained sixty pounds of muscle and eventually added on another thirty nine pounds during filming. So you could do a side by side of the machinist and then Bruce Wayne. It's <laughs> and mind blowing. That's if if it, anything, take away the acting. Just doing that with the, the regular human body is difficult within itself. Mm-hmm. And then throw on you're the star of Batman. <laughs> you know? The whole franchise is riding on his shoulders. Yeah, because it was like the famous it was following Batman and Robin, which everyone hated. Mm-hmm. And now it's a new franchise with Christopher Nolan directing. And it's like, you're the guy. Lots. That's riding. why they have stunt doubles, mm-hmm. because if you get hurt, the production stops, you know, man, if only he got a stunt double to lose all that weight for the machinist. Yeah, just to lose all the weight. <laughs> now, here's somebody else that will find out uh, stopped method acting. Meryl Streep. Now she hmm. won Oscars for Kramer versus Kramer, uh, Sophie's Choice, and most recently the Iron Lady. Hmm. But the one we're going to talk about is The Devil Wears Prada. Oh no! Uh, and the the movie involves uh, Anne Hathaway. She plays Andy as a recent college graduate with a big with big dreams. Upon landing a job at uh, the prestigious Runway magazine, she finds herself the assistant of a diabolical editor. Miranda Priestly, and that's uh, Meryl Streep. Now, Meryl said uh, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, uh, remaining in character as Priestly, you know, uh, cold-hearted bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the editor in chief of the magazine uh, was was miserable. She said it was horrible. I was uh, in my trailer. I could hear them all rocking and laughing. I was so depressed. Uh, I said, "Well, it's the <laughs> price you pay for being the boss." That's the last time I ever attempted method acting. So that's not the worst of like, she missed a party. Maybe <laughs> she wanted to go have fun and be with everybody. She didn't, I assume, lose a hundred pounds and, and, you know, drive a taxi cab, <laughs> but it's, but it's also, you could just act, you know? Again, like, yeah. That's another thing where it's just like, you don't have to be an asshole. Every, just have enough faith in all the people you're acting with to mm-hmm. pretend that you're a piece of shit. That's it. Yeah. 
And huh. for some actors, it comes easier than others. You for know? sure. Well, it's just like uh, these, like these killers in the movies. Like you know, I played Michael Myers, and I didn't talk to the child actor because I wanted them to think I was scary. Mm-hmm. And then the next movie is a different guy playing the same character, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah I talked to the child actors because I wanted them to know that it's just acting." Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're making a movie. It's not real. Like on uh, we we just did on my horror movie podcast called "They're Coming to Get You." Cheap plug. Mm-hmm. We did uh, we just did The Shining, and the kid uh, Danny, the little boy, uh. six, seven, eight years old. The whole time he thought the movie they were shooting was a drama. He didn't know that it was a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Good, but idea. they still got the performances out of him, and they didn't scare the kid. And he was acting, but they instead you know? scared Shelley Duvall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's what is a, like that. <laughs> it's a thing. Like it's different if it's a kid, but it's also don't emotionally scar any actor. <laughs> but yep. that's the thing is like the kid's acting. He's not getting uh, emotionally uh, damaged with mm-hmm. with not even the performance but by the director yeah again it goes back to Lawrence olivier why don't you just try acting yeah yeah well and and here's one that the performance is great but it took tolls later we're going to talk about heath ledger oh boy best supporting actor for the dark knight he's he's the joker i don't think i have to read the synopsis of it uh <laughs> He locked himself in a hotel room for a month and barely slept to prepare for the the role of the Joker. He created a diary filled with images of clippings from Batman comics, pictures uh, from Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, uh, which is never good if that's not good if you have a clockwork orange binder. And also, like, <laughs> no, talk to somebody if you're. You know, your hero is the the guy from Clockwork Orange. He just starts drinking milk on its own. Yeah. <laughs> call him calling eggs, eggsy wegsies and eggsy sex wegsy. the old in out. Oh, God. I forgot <laughs> uh, about that. Now, he, he had all that stuff in, in the diary. He put playing cards in there, pictures of clowns. Uh, as shooting commenced, uh, Ledger told reporters he, quote, slept an average of two hours a night. Uh, while playing a quote psychopathic mass murdering uh, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy I couldn't stop thinking my body was exhausted and my uh, mind was still going end quote and this is the thing like I I could say one of my favorite performances is him as the Joker Mm -hmm. but we all know how this is going to go yeah we like by the the time we saw the movie he was already dead yeah he was dead Um, so he goes on to do another movie, the imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Uh, he was suffering, still suffering from chronic insomnia, pneumonia, and exhaustion. And at that point, somebody should have said, stop, Mm -hmm. let's get this dude healthy. Let's get it again. That's hindsight, you know? Yeah. Um, on a break from the movie, he went back to, to New York to recuperate. And on uh, January 26, 2008, he's found dead in his hotel room from an accidental overdose. Now that says uh, accidental, I would assume that's what it was, but uh, I think he just had broken up with his girlfriend at the time too. So all Michelle, this shit, Michelle Williams. Yeah. All the shit going on. And then also playing the Joker. And for the, for the first part of the movie, when I first saw this, I didn't even know it was Heath Ledger. I had mm-hmm. to find out who was playing the Joker later. And I was like, you mean the guy from a knight's tale? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know. So again, it's a great performance, 
but it takes its toll. Yep. And it's like, and I, I, that's the thing too. He was supposed to be in the sequel. It was, he was supposed to be in the dark Knight rises and they had to rewrite it, mm-hmm. but it's like, so would he have done the same thing to be in the sequel? Would he have done his sleepless nights and little make a new All that. booklet with the, the shining stickers and shit. Yeah. Like I get, I get what he put himself through that. And then, but then you got to think, would he have won best supporting actor? It's probably, I mean, nobody, if, if he didn't die, people would still be like, yeah, he deserved it. I don't know who he, who he was against, but I don't know mm. that many people would be like, would be like, no, he doesn't deserve that. You know, like, I just remember it was, it was uh controversial that he was nominated because it was a comic book movie. Yeah. And, uh, they're still not nominating horror movies. So no, unless it's a thriller. Uh, yeah. Interestingly <laughs> enough. Now the, we're not going to talk about Jack Nicholson, but we're going to talk about his reaction to Heath Ledger dying. Um, Cause of course, Jack Nicholson played the Joker uh, before in the mm-hmm. first Batman movie, 1989. And the funny thing I, I heard about it is that Jack Nicholson was furious that he wasn't even asked to be the Joker. Uh, but it's like, when you look at the two performances, one's got a boom box on his shoulder and is dancing around and shit. Like where, and one is this dark character. They're not the same. One uh, sleeps all the time and the other doesn't sleep at all. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that at, at the time, Nicholson, seven year old, uh, he, he's at this restaurant in London. And when a photographer told him about Heath Ledger's death, uh, death, uh, he said, that's awful. I warned him mm. and then he refused to elaborate. Now, I don't know what that means. That could just be some Jack Nicholson bullshit. Let me kind of get in on this headline as well. But I heard that story a long time ago and it reminded me when I was reading about Heath Ledger. So I, but in my head, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that Jack, the the Jack Nicholson Joker performance went to the same lengths, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's like if if you prepared like you were the Joker, but then played Pee Wee Herman, like it's <laughs> things, which would be a great sketch. Like and if you had the training montage of drinking eggs and stuff, and then you go play uh, some other character that's not Rocky at all. Like it's two con- contrasting things, but yeah. it's just that, that I always remembered that when Nicholson was like, I warned him. About what? <laughs> Don't go into the character too much or don't be so dark or whatever. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, we got a couple more. Uh, Jim Carrey. Oh, uh, the man on the moon thing. Man on the moon. There's a whole yeah. documentary about it. I'm so afraid to watch it. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I, I did recently for no reason. There's a thing on it's on YouTube, but it's a vice uh, show called uh, Tales from the Territories. Hmm. Um, and it was all about Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. Mm. And I just, I turned it on and then I, I was like, oh, that's perfect research for this episode. <laughs> and it's Jerry Lawler recounting the stuff that happened, um, uh, on this. And I'll, I'll kind of, when we get to the part, I'll fill you in. But yeah. so Jim Carrey's playing Andy Kaufman, uh, and he, Jim Carrey refused to ever break character. He wouldn't respond to anyone on set unless they referred to him as Andy Andy. or Tony Clifton, who, if you don't know, is the alter ego. Uh, It's like a Vegas lounge singer 
repulsive. So Jim Carrey purposely put Limburger cheese in his pocket. So he smelled horrible. Oh God. And this is on set. And this is the thing I I was reading about method acting of like other actors, but just being like, God damn it. Can I just talk to Jim? Yeah. Not not necessarily even Jim Carrey, but other actors were like, can I talk to so-and-so instead of Batman? Or whatever, you know, like, yes. you got to call me Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Don't be a dick. I'm trying to act, you know. That's the thing, too, is like that. Has anyone considered that maybe your shitty behavior affects other people in the role in their, you know, respective part? Yeah. Like, you, it, you know, you're being an asshole. So then they're just like, oh, fuck, I'm not on my game. And it's like, was that a part of their method training to expect the other actors to be dickheads? Mm hmm. Well, that was something I read about Dustin Hoffman in relation to Meryl Streep. He was an asshole to her. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's like if that was the character, that's but again, you Dustin Hoffman doesn't have to be a dick to Meryl Streep. No, but the character was a dick to her character. But he you try to get that performance and it's, you know, it's so up. They're so up their own asses. And you're you watch it and you're like. I I'll be honest as a person watching a movie, I don't think I'm able to decipher if this person's a good actor. I don't think I'm able to decipher whether they treated someone like shit on the set or whether they treated people nicely on the set. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm watching the movie going, I bet he was a prick on set. Yeah. Like again, they're acting. I, I, we all know it's fake. Yes. God. Like if that's the thing is like, you know bad acting when you see it, but it's hard to tell good acting. And I know you could tell good acting, but you don't know what went into the good acting. Exactly. You know, like you could just be a good actor and show up on set and be like, hey, what's up? And do your lines and become the character. But then once you leave the lot, you're still Garrett Elzinga. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not he, bringing that home with you. You know who's a really good actor that's not method? Henry Cavill. Yeah, he, what he's is, a what very is nice guy and he's really good in everything he's been in. He lived. Did you know that he lived for a month on Krypton to get into <laughs> character? He's actually <laughs> battled dragons. It's crazy as yeah, the Witcher. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Uh, so we're, we're talking about the, the movie, The Man on the Moon. Yeah. Uh, Kaufman's uh, real life feud with WWE wrestler Jerry Lawler was recreated. Um the men gained national attention after a joint interview uh, on the David Letterman show. The interview ended with Jerry Lawler slapping Kaufman and coughing, throwing coffee in uh, Lawler's face. Mm-hmm. And that they did that for real, as in like in wrestling, they call it kayfabe. Don't break character. Yeah. So that they didn't tell anybody they were doing that. They but just they did together it. knew. Well, the thing that I was on that that documentary thing I was just uh, watching, I guess Andy Kaufman said, wouldn't it be great if you slap me, Jerry? And Jerry's like, I don't think we could do that. But then Andy was like, yeah, but it would be great. Oh, and then they no. just left it at that, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> so, of course, Larry okay. or, uh, Lawler slaps him, that kind of thing, you know? And then Andy uh, out of left pocket throws the coffee yeah. in his face. Oh boy. Wouldn't it be great, Garrett, <laughs> if you slap me? <laughs> I think that's that's like method acting. We're talking about method acting about people that were method acting. Yes. It's so like that's that's wrestling. Ric Flair is a method actor. Yeah. Yeah. And like no respect when it comes to that whole method, quote unquote. 
Yeah, where it's like, like there's a guy, Richard Fleer. That's Ric Flair's real name. Mm-hmm. But you can't not see Ric Flair in public acting like the wrestler Ric Flair. Now mm-hmm. they're just the same, you know? Like, Well, The Rock. I mean, that's a lesser example, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, well, I guess not really. But when like he, wrestling and yeah. like when you're like, there was a video, there's this current wrestler named Kevin Owens and he got, and he got some heat because he was mean to a little kid in the audience. But at the time, his character, Kevin Owens was a bad guy mm-hmm. and he didn't break character to be like, Hey buddy, how you doing? He's just like, I don't want you at my show. Like <laughs> wrestling is method acting. Well, that just depends on how far you want to take that. That makes sense because you're, you have to like, it's a live presentation. It's not being filmed, mm-hmm. cut up and then released into cinemas. Yeah. It's like, it's the whole, everything's televised. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. But the, but the difference is uh, Ric Flair would brag about having a Rolex and a jet, which I don't know that he ever had a jet, but I'm like, he had the cars and the women and all that. Like, yeah. Um, but Lawler was brought in to play himself on uh man on the moon and Jim Carrey was on set. Um, to, you know, of course, to play Andy Kaufman, and he he demanded Lawler put him in the same wrestling hold that landed Kaufman in the hospital for three days. Now, the thing that they said on this documentary was that Kaufman, Andy Kaufman, laying in the ring, demanded to be taken out, uh, taken out in an ambulance, mm-hmm. and the ref is going back and forth in between the two, and he's like, "Hey, Andy says he needs." Uh, an ambulance and Lawler's like waving to the crowd, but then talking to the ref, trying not to actually look like he's talking to the ref. And mm-hmm. Lawler's like, it's too expensive. It's $300. <laughs> so then the ref goes down to Andy Kaufman, who is on the ground, passed out, and he comes back and he says, Andy says he'll pay for the ambulance. <laughs> and then Lawler says, call an ambulance. <laughs> so then he was in the, the hospital for three days. Nothing was wrong with them. No, but it, he didn't even call Jerry Lawler, the other wrestlers to say, I'm good. That's how in character he was. Yeah. So now Jim, Jim Carrey wants all this. He, and essentially he wants uh, Lawler to put him in a tombstone pile driver, which is a real move that wrestlers have gotten hurt with. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin broke his neck. Mm-hmm. Like, and th- those are that was given to him by Owen Hart, two professional wrestlers. Yeah. And they, and even they fucked it up. They fucked it up. And then Lawler's, did, he's like, dude, I can't give you this move. We don't even do this in wrestling anymore because if, if you know anything about the move, it, your head is in between somebody's legs and then you're dropped on your neck. I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, he's like, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Lawler goes to the lawyers and the people on set. And then he's like, I can't do that. But they recreated the Jerry, the, the, the tonight show thing, not the tonight show, but David Letterman. And he did slap the shit out of, <laughs> out of Jim Carrey. <laughs> Love it. I would slap him just because he was just being an asshole. Yeah, stop talking like uh, Andy Kaufman. Let me talk to Jim, you know, like that. That also is just like, so you so, Jim, you don't even know the ins and outs of this actual situation. You're just I guess not. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like how how corny it's fucking corny. (laughs) We got a couple more. Uh, This one's quick. It's Rooney Mara. She was in the girl with the dragon tattoo. No, I didn't. I didn't know anything about this. I don't know this lady. I've not seen this movie. What's she do? Um. 
Well, she landed the part of the computer hap- hacker, uh, Lisbeth uh, Sal- Salander. Woo, I can't read. And the girl with the dragon tattoo. She didn't even have uh, ear piercings. She felt that uh, to uh, truly inhibit the character, multiple piercings all over her body were necessary. She got her lip, brow, nose, nipples, and ears pierced. Uh, she said, because all those tattoos and the makeup and the piercings and the physical transformations my body has gone through, it would always feel sort of like, uh, I was in costume, even if I was naked. So that's, you know, that's not that extreme, but she got all the stuff pierced to become this character. So she only got the piercings, not the tattoos. Yeah, I don't know. I think those were fake tattoos. So then what, why did you get the piercings? Because you could have easily faked those. I mean, see, that's the thing where it's like, mm-hmm. you want to feel the pain of the piercings, but not the pain of the tattoo. And one's kind of permanent. And ah, God, how annoying. Yeah. She also shit on the Nightmare on Elm Street remake because she was in that as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, she like, she went in to audition for it and she didn't even want the role. And mm-hmm. like she ended up getting it and was like, oh, this sucks, like that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, the movie sucks, but also like if you're gonna be don't in be it, a, don't be an be asshole. In it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be in it. Like give a and whatever. That that shit's annoying to me. <laughs> uh <laughs> I got the piercings, but not the tattoos. Okay. I got the piercings for this podcast, and I, <laughs> my nips are sensitive. <laughs> Uh, Al Pacino, he was in Serpico. He played an undercover cop. Uh, rumor has it that he was so heavily invested in the part while playing uh, the character he was driving, uh, not in the film, but in real life. He saw a truck in front of him spewing exhaust. He pulled the driver over and attempted to make an arrest. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That's funny to me. That's, that is funny. Uh, and he also, he was in the movie Ascent of a Woman. He plays a, a blind, I think, lawyer. Yeah. If I remember correctly. He claimed that he actually couldn't see during filming. <laughs> oh my God. Much like the blind character he was playing some weeks after the completion of the photography, uh, Chris O'Donnell, the other the guy in the movie, received a note of congratulations from Machino. It said, although I didn't see you, I know you were great. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> and like... I could see if you're like wearing the glasses or whatever, but I th- I don't think he wears glasses in the movie. He doesn't. Like, what did he so, put fake contacts in that he couldn't see? Couldn't see. I guess like, I could. I was gonna say if you had the glasses on, I could see closing your eyes, so you it's authentic. You can't really see. You're taking a sense away from you, but it's his, a movie. His eyes are open in the movie. I've seen it. He's not just yeah. walking around feeling. Yeah. Wow. He drives. He drives in the movie. He does drive in the. Oh, that's terrifying. Chris, Chris O'Donnell in the passenger seat. Oh, yeah, fuck, I really oh, couldn't oh, oh. see. <laughs> uh, Hillary Swank and Boys Don't Cry. She won Best Actress in two thousand. Uh, she plays a, a trans uh, person. Yep. Uh, Hillary Swank showed up uh, in her then husband's clothes and a cowboy hat and landed the role in the audition month before shooting. Uh, she lived as a man. She cut her hair short, bound her breasts and even stuffed a sock in her underwear, trying to disguise my femininity as best I could. She mm. says uh, she spoke uh, with a low voice and introduced herself to neighbors and friends as Hillary's brother, James. Uh, like most on our list, her, her dedication paid off and she won that best actress. So, but that that's again, that that's not, that's not that crazy. Like that, no. you're just, you're trying to see it's when it's a thing that you would not normally 
uh, inhibit where it's like, okay, that you didn't makes lose sense. 80 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get, I mean, you know that, but that's extreme. That's like extreme bodily changing. Like to me, this, the getting the piercings and not the tattoo is the same as losing, you know, 60 pounds or 80 pounds or whatever it was mm-hmm. for a, a role. And it's yeah. like, Jesus, you like, why? Like that it's just, it's too much. If it can be faked somehow and no one asked you to do it. Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> like, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't even know if the nipple piercings were, it's not, I don't even know that's part of the costume. They're in Maybe. there. She, she's, okay. she's nude in it, but. All right. I'm going to check that movie out. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> all right. See you, bud. Uh, all right. I got to go. Uh, it, it, our last one, our headliner, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh God. Now there's a lot of, we're going to touch on a lot of different roles, but for the, the role of, uh, this is some of my favorite ones, uh, the poet uh, Christy uh, Brown and my left foot. Mm. Uh, Day Lewis refused to move from his wheelchair and had the crew lift him up over obstacles. He insisted meals be spoon fed to him. Fuck Several him. weeks of slouching in the wheelchair resulted in broken ribs, two broken ribs, and he won best actor. I just love the thought of this guy in a wheelchair being like, carry me. And they're like, no, you can walk. Carry me. What If we don't, what are you going to do? Walk off this set? Come on, Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I just, I just feed me. Feed me. (laughs) Um, Uh, uh, Now, as, as we all know, he played Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he prepared for a year uh, before shooting. Uh, and that's what I, the, I didn't do uh, Natalie Portman and black Swan, but she also danced ballet for like a year too. Mm-hmm. As you know, that's similar to like uh, De Niro boxing or whatever. Like it's that for a year of dedication, I don't know that I've ever prepared it for a year of anything. You know, I will say this though, when it comes to things like that and you're on film and you actually, uh, you want to be seen doing the thing, mm-hmm. then it makes sense because you want to be good at the thing that you're supposed to be. Like the character's good yeah. at it. You want to be good at it. You know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like I think in funny sense. people, they all started doing stand up to mm-hmm. like get into the character of doing it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that shit makes sense to me, but you know, others like <laughs> feed me. is just feed me. mind blowing. Um. He prepared for a year shooting began uh, when shooting began and stayed in character. Even when the cameras weren't rolling, he demanded everyone on set, including director Steven Spielberg, call him Mr. President. Oh my! And God. he would not let English cast members speak to him and in, in their own accents for fear that it might throw him off. What? Uh... I just, I just let like the, you haven't Steven Spielberg. No, call me Abe. <laughs> Honest Abe to you. Yeah. Call me Mr. President. Well, I what, mean, he what did won. He, did he also set the slaves free? Like how, like you can't go. It, the, the parameters that they set up is just insane to me. Cause mm-hmm. it'll be like this thing, that thing, but I can't do that thing. So I won't do that thing. And you're like, but then why mm-hmm. even do the first two things? Yeah. Did did you write letters and not send them like Lincoln was known to do? Or were you an amateur wrestler in your youth? Did you get assassinated? Come on. I mean, how far are we going to go into this character? Yeah. 
Uh, well, it was a pain in the butt, I guess, for people on set because it, it was annoying, but he he won Best Actor for Lincoln. So, again, we get results, Garrett. Oscar's so white. This is the whitest shit ever. <laughs> that That's our that's our episode. Feed feed me as long as there's no seasonings in it. Feed me. Yeah, l- <laughs> let me feed you some shit that you don't like and see how much... <laughs> Yeah, let's let me get you some uh some raw meat. Oh god. Uh, Just get him some Gerbers. Here's some baby food for you. Do you like this? No, they didn't have planes back then. <laughs> this man is fired. Uh, uh let's let's do some plugs and uh, anything you else you, you got going on and we'll get out of here. Um nothing really. Uh if anyone is in the Grand Rapids or surrounding areas in Michigan, I'm the host uh house mc at dr grin's comedy club so if you guys want to mm-hmm. come out every weekend there um laugh fest is coming up here so there'll be some good shows i'll probably be around the city um it's, i've got uh, dr grin's is one of my favorite comedy clubs to work at so it's, it's a fun one it's starting to i mean we just opened again uh later last year so mm-hmm. now we're we're starting to get back into that busy season so it's nice and you're you have a bunch of reels and videos you have some stand-up comedy albums on uh i don't know which platforms but you have album stand-up comedy albums yeah go i go to bandcamp.com and find me on there i have uh you can order physical copies of cds uh you can get the digital copies over there it's literally the only place they're available it's a big long story but got taken down from every uh streaming platform so um not my own doing yeah but, yeah well, find me on social media all that good stuff garrett elzinga g-e-r-r-i-t elzinga e-l-z-i-n-g-a now i appreciate you being on the show garrett and thanks for uh, having me thanks for playing the role of a podcast guest i loved it i always I played i played the host and now now as we close i need you to call me mr president and i need you to feed me <laughs> Okay, Mr. President. (laughs) Mr. President. (laughs) See you, man. (laughs) See you, buddy. It's the Field Trip Podcast with Brent Terhune.